Hey families, it is good to have you with us once again on the Wonder of Parenting podcast. My name is Tim Wright, along as always with Dr. Michael Gurian, uh, brought to you by our good friends at Place of Hope, the center up there in the Seattle area. We're so glad to have them as sponsors. And we're glad to have you with us. And um, by the time you're listening to this, uh, it's probably near the end of May now, and school is just beginning for many kids to wrap up its its year, even though it's a crazy wrap-up to the year. Um, but we thought it would be good, uh, because there are still some uh, schools in session yet, to talk a little bit about education right now in your child and uh, trying to navigate these days of being homeschool teachers and doing teaching online, education online. And then look to the fall and some things that uh, you might want to think about as uh, you're looking to your schools or the way that you educate your kids. Uh, We're talking about a new normal, which is already going to be, it's going to make us start feeling kind of sick after a while, hearing that phrase over and over again. What is a new normal? But we are heading heading into a different kind of world, and it's already uh, turned everything upside down these last few months. So, uh, Michael, first of all, it's, as always, it's good to have you with us. How are things up in Spokane as we record today? Are you still in lockdown? We're still, yeah, and thank you. It's so good to talk to you. Um, uh, yeah, we're in a partial. Uh, so uh, we're recording this on, on May 2nd, and... Our lockdown in the state of Washington is supposed to end May 4th. Our governor has said it's going to be staged. Um, It's been he's officially extended us till May 31st, but there's going to be stages like certain things are reopening this coming week. Um, uh, But yeah, I mean, technically, quote unquote, still shut down until end of May with caveats. Yeah, so we're recording this is the first weekend of May. And uh, here in the Phoenix area, we have just extended our lockdown through the 15th, and the, our governor's going to do some of the same things, slowly kind of open things up for us. And um, I know all of us are trying to figure out what that means, and, and um, we've, we've got some early evidence in some places that are opening up uh, where the news can be bad or it can be good. So we just don't know. And that's what we're talking about, this new normal, trying to navigate something we've never been through before. And yet the one constant for families with kids is they've got kids who need to be educated. And uh, one of the constants has been in the last five to eight, nine weeks, parents having to educate their kids at home uh, and uh, doing a little homeschooling. And also if they're in school working with their teachers who are scrambling and doing such a good job, but they're scrambling to figure out how to do online school. So, uh, Michael, let's just let's paint some broad strokes. Kids are getting near the end of their school time now. Uh, I don't know if they're going to have tests or anything. Um, but what are some of the things as parents wrap up this school year that you think are important for them to try to accomplish with their kids to make sure that they finished out their year well and are ready to advance to the next year? Uh, yeah, I think... I think, you know, sort of nationwide, we're not supposed to be doing testing. That kind of came down from on high. And, and so I think most states, uh, if we're talking here in the U.S., most states are not going to uh, do, you know, standardized testing. Um, but there will be some tests that are internal to the class that the child is taking online. And I, I think it's it's good for, um, for parents to encourage their kids and teachers to even encourage some of that testing, you know, just to get a marker, just to see what kids have learned in that class in math and science. Um, 
uh, in, in reading, you know, uh, I, I think that's good. Uh, but at the same time, I know teachers are not going to hit kids with, with lots of tests. The, uh, on the, in the realm of markers, I think it is important for goals to be set. Um, teachers maybe are providing those goals or if parents are, are purely homeschooling, uh, you know, those goals should be enunciated with the kids so that the quote unquote end of the school year, you know, it ends, however it ends, it ends with those goals having been met. So if there were, you know, four projects to do in science class, those four projects get done. Um, if there, if we needed to get to, you know, algebra two or complete this part of algebra two, that gets done. I, I do think that setting those goals and meeting those goals is important for education, even though we may have to be creative about, and we'll talk about that, about sort of how to set up a school day so that happens. But I think the goals are important. So in that area, I, I would say those two things. Uh, I know this is somewhat from experience. I don't have kids at my house, but my kids do. And um, my uh, daughter, uh, Alicia, has two children, and uh, birth, both of them are, are very smart kids, but they both have learning challenges. My grandson has dyslexia, for example, and some other things. Uh, and uh, so she's, she's trying to figure out the best way to help him navigate all of his school online uh, along with the challenges. And then their, their daughter, uh, our granddaughter, is a very, very active five-year-old, just turned five. And uh, she's got some challenges that they haven't diagnosed yet, but we know that she's behind already in, in some of her language development and so on. And they are just going off the walls. So they've about had it trying to do any online learning. Uh, my son, uh, they've got three kids. And, um, you know, it's sort of like that small classroom that they used to have in the old days where you've got different grades. They're going bananas and going off the—they're just bouncing off the walls. Everybody's in close confinement. They've got to get their schoolwork done. Parents are working and being teachers. How do we help our parents get through these last few weeks and keep their, uh, keep their kids learning and engaged in learning, even though they're kind of zoomed out at this point? Yeah, they are. You're absolutely right. Well, for the younger kids, like, you know, like a five-year-old, I mean, for younger kids, if it's if it's just becoming very difficult, then we can let go. You know, there's only a, a few weeks left. And, um, and, and their, their education, I'm going to pick the five-year-old, a five-year-old's education um, via Zoom or via uh, the works that's set up by the kindergarten, perhaps, um, or by the parents. If the child doesn't get that, that child's going to be okay. That that educational structure in that child's going to be okay. That child's cognitive development's going to be okay. Um, but that child uh, at five probably will not be very behind. And especially if we find whatever the islands of competence or the the areas that work for that child, like let's say that child's a good reader, then then you know getting off a of Zoom's fine, but let's let's be reading an hour or two a day um, uh, over the period of the day. And if that child is is really great with play, then let's have that child playing a lot. You know, um, every child should play. But in other words, find the island of competence. If that child likes to build, let that child build, and and don't have to be on Zoom today. So, um, so for that age group, you know, I, I would say that, and that will just give relief right away for, as we get older though, you know, let's say we have a 10, 12, 14 year old, 
and and we're going nuts, <laughs> of course. Uh, but you know, we don't want to lose two months of education for that twelve-year-old. So um, because it is going to make more of a difference for that twelve-year-old than for a five-year-old. So I think here now we have to be creative, and I have some some um, suggestions. The first the first suggestion is to to you know every place is allowing outdoor so make sure that kids are getting breaks you know so they let's say they have to be on zoom or they have to be on some modality to learn um and i'll pick math um let's say they have to be well every 20 minutes or so get them off get them outside running around the uh, well not around the block but around the yard or if you're near a park you know do some outdoor play whatever it is every 20 minutes or every 40 minutes you know get them out and moving for 10 minutes um that's going to help a lot uh and it's going to help with the sort of close quarters craziness that we're feeling um also have other people educating your child um, if if you and your child are kind of at each other's um, throats, let's say, um, you know, especially with parents not being trained teachers, if there are other people who who are uh, or who have more time, like elders who can do it via FaceTime, um, uh, have other people help take this burden off of the parents, um, especially people who have experience with, if not education, then with that subject like someone in the family who's an engineer who knows math, let's get that person in to be helping. And so the parent who doesn't know math really well isn't trying to teach that uh, via the home front. The third thing I would say is uh, there are a lot of coaches and mentors out there who can help us motivate these kids, push them through educationally now, who are not actually in school working, um, uh, you know, like a coach that the child really, really respects can help motivate that child and can, can you know, 10 minutes a day can visit his or her different students uh, via phone or via another modality and, and help educate, check in with that child, help educate and motivate that child to push through this very difficult situation and learn. Um, I think we should deploy those mentors to help parents who are themselves not trained to teach and not even trained to motivate their kids to learn academically. They have different training as parents. This podcast is sponsored by Skylight Frame. Mother's Day is almost here. What are you getting her? Something that shows you care. Something that makes her feel loved. Something that won't stress you out. Something like the Skylight Frame. The Skylight Frame is the perfect gift. It's a touchscreen photo frame your whole family can upload photos to from wherever they are in the world. It's a way to share with her all the moments that matter. It sets up in seconds. You can even make sure that it's already loaded with photos when your mom opens her Mother's Day gift. And her Skylight Frame can hold thousands of the treasured photos you share. It's an easy, heartfelt way for mom to stay connected with those who matter most. It really is the perfect gift. Now, as a special Mother's Day offer for our listeners, get 15% off your purchase of a Skylight Frame when you go to skylightframe.com slash easy. That's S-K-Y-L-I-G-H-T-F-R-A-M-E dot com slash easy. Get 15% off your Mother's Day purchase now at skylightframe.com slash easy. One of the, uh, the, the challenges of this particular year is uh, graduation. And uh, the numbers, uh, particularly I think of our high school kids, college kids, who have worked so hard for this 
big, important rite of passage moment in their lives. Uh, what do you suggest uh, families do to uh, sort of mitigate some of the, the deep disappointment and maybe help celebrate that event? Yeah, they're going to need to create um, an, an event in the family system, uh, in the ex- extended family system, in the community system, create an event uh, at a park, let's say, you know, where where we dress up and there is a camera and, um, you know, the child wears a tie, male or, or, or female, I guess, or a dress or, you know, just wears. So it feels like going to church, let's say. So it feels like an event and um, uh, toasts are, are made and, you know, like a, it's so it, it is a rite of passage um, if uh, if we if they if they can't go somewhere, which they probably can't this year, go somewhere to have a big crowd, um, hand them, you know, hopefully the schools can get the diplomas to parents and the parent can hand the diploma to the child and everyone's watching and it's on camera. I, I think I think it is really important to have that. And if in the state that y- you are in or the country that you are in as a listener, if it's allowed to have a group of, you know, 50, let's say you're allowed by then 50, um, then pull the extended family together, pull a larger crowd together to create this event. Um, whatever you can do, I'd say create the event. Have the child give a speech. Uh, an upside of this is that now not just valedictorians can give a speech. You know, your child, every child can give a speech at their graduation and talk about, about you know, what they've learned from this crisis and how they want, how, how resilient we all are and how they want to go forward. You know, and they could get some coaching on on how to do that. Um, but I would absolutely say every child, excuse me, should have an event. <coughs> Sorry. Yeah, my my sister has um, put together uh, a little graduation thing that we're going to do on Zoom in a couple weeks for the various members of our family who are graduating from something, whether it's from preschool or uh, into junior high, uh, out of high school and out of college. And uh, essentially, we're all going to be on Zoom, and then each of the graduates is going to walk in to the Zoom picture and uh, mom or dad will introduce the student and talk a little bit about their accomplishments. And, and uh, we have a, apparently some guest speaker coming in to speak, uh, give a little commencement address. I have no idea who that is. It's not me. Uh, and, um, and she's just done a very nice job of setting up something that I think will be pretty memorable. And that's really what we want to do. We want to create something memorable for our kids because this is a memorable year, and we want it to be uh, remembered for some positive things as well, and that's accomplishments for these kids. Um, we have talked about this yeah. before, and then I wanted to dive into sort of looking to the future. Uh, one of the, the challenges has, has been for uh, some of our boys anyway, not, but, but boys in particular have a challenge um, being uh, online all the time learning, and not just boys, but uh, kids who tend to uh, have... Um, uh, you know, attention deficit challenges and so on. Um, what are you seeing? What are you hearing when it comes to this period of time where almost all education is happening online? Yeah, well, we have entered an area of, of um, brain danger, you know, some neural danger, uh, uh, the consequences of which, you know, we're not going to see till later uh, with kids who are required, as you said, to be online. So let's pick an age group. You know, generally we want a five-year-old to, to not be online uh, uh, 
very much, maybe a half hour, something educational, maybe a little bit of TV watching or, or something like that. And then, you know, FaceTiming with grandparents if they live elsewhere, that kind of thing. But we don't we don't want that because of the dangers of screen time uh, for the young brain. We don't want that for more than, let's say, an hour, you know, max an hour and a half, but more like an hour. But now here's a five year old that may be on um, for three or four hours and then the parents are trying to work. So the child may be on longer because the parents just say, you know, here's my cell phone, play with my cell phone or go watch TV or whatever it is. And so that goes on and on. And that is, you know, really dangerous for the brain and the developing brain. And so we need to be conscious of that. And that's why as much of uh, schooling as can be done not online, you know, as much that can be project driven that we can do with our hands that our kids can do with each other, um, we need to do that. And and if that, that child needs to be online two or three hours a day, um, we probably will need to cut back, uh, you know, let's move to a 10 year old now, 10 year old, we wouldn't want them online really more than two hours. And, uh, but now that might be uh, for schooling three to four hours. So that means got to cut back all the, you know, here's my cell phone, play a game on it. We got to cut back uh, TV and all this other stuff because it's already been four hours online. So be really, really careful, parents, be really, really careful. I know everyone has to be online more, but um, in saving our sons and in the minds of girls, depending on the sex of your child, if you get those books, you'll you'll see what what I and then of course AMA and APA and everyone else is suggesting for screen time for the various age groups. And as much as you can hold to it, try and then just do kind of a plus one, which you you and I Tim have talked about before, where where you know it should be two hours, but it's a plus one because you got to add on you know one or two more hours for school. And so okay, that's a that's a three hours or four hours, but then no more than that. Um, just be really, really careful because all these brain disorders that, like you mentioned, um, you know, there's a few brain disorders where where screen time actually is good for them or videos are good for them. Uh, but b- basically, in general, um, no, uh, the brain disorders are just going to be worse with with six hours of screen time a day. And you've talked about before uh, why a lot of screen time learning can be challenging for uh, boys, generally speaking. Well, then boys, of course, you know, they got to move around. And the problem with, with screen time is they just, you know, they just are staring at it and they're not moving around and you just get into it. Of course, we all know that every adult knows that once you start there in your screen, you know, you're working away. And so now, you know, you're trying to do it for an hour. Uh, the last half for that boy, let's pick a 13 year old boy. The last, um, uh, like of every hour, some part of every hour, he's learning nothing. <laughs> you know, he's just really staring into the screen, trying for things, but he's not really retaining it. He needs to be moving around as he learns. And so, of course, we have to put those rituals in. I was talking about earlier where every 20 minutes to a half hour, he moves around. Um, uh, he needs to be squeezing squeeze, squeeze balls or something, you know, to keep his brain awake. Uh, and And we have to remember that if he just keeps staring into that screen, what he's going to lose is some social emotional development. And, um, and you know, that's, that's an area of male brain development that's weaker than female brain. And so when we lose, um, when we lose quite often in our development, what we lose is social emotionals, all that stuff that has to do with relationship and empathy and all of that, because the screen um, develops some areas of our brain, but it doesn't develop others. 
And that's, that's for boys specifically, a big worry about six hours of screen time a day. One of the things that you and I do uh, throughout the year is uh, a summit called the Helping Boys Thrive Summit. And we're going to do something special coming up this fall. And uh, we'll have more details in the next podcast or two. But you want to just give a quick update on what we're going to be offering uh, this fall for parents and educators and church leaders, faith-based leaders that has to do with our boys. Yeah, this was um, all credit for this idea goes to Tim. Tim Wright, our host, who said, why don't we do in the fall a, a Helping Boys Thrive Telesummit? Because it's unclear where everyone is going to be and whether there can be large gatherings. And so why not do it as a telesummit? So if, if uh, listeners, if you go to helpingboysthrive.org, you're going to see immediately, you're going to see something that says Helping Boys Thrive Telesummit. So it's a, it's a webpage that gives all the details. And you'll click that and you'll, it'll open up to the webpage that gives all the details of it. So we're going to do this telesummit in the fall. It's going to be um, uh, Tim, myself, and Eva Dwight, who will do the educator um, um, uh, session. The three of us will be doing it that day. And then, um, so we'll be live that day, take your questions, chat, etc. And then for the next six days, everyone who has paid for the summit, and it's very, very low cost, um, it's like $30, uh, and there are group rates. So um, our sponsors have been very generous in making it so that we can offer it for very little. Um, you'll get the whole day of learning, and then the next six days, you can go back and listen, and participants can listen to what they missed or, or just listen again. So uh, it's a great thing. And I, Tim, I thank you for the idea and, and yep. for the help with it. It's just, uh, it's going to be great. So helpingboysthrive.org, just click Telesummit and that'll take you there. Now, I, I want to seg us to the fall. And um, we, we don't know yet what the fall holds for us. We are all, I think, hopeful that um, schools will open. Uh, I jokingly said to my staff when this first began, uh, if you want to see people uh, deepen in their faith, just have them take their kids uh, and be in shelter in place for two months, and uh, people start praying a lot. And <laughs> I think we're all praying that schools open in the fall. But I, I think that the world has changed a little bit now with um, online learning versus classroom learning and so on. What are some things that people need to know uh, as we head to the fall, what do you want to advocate for as we move into the fall? We're still a bit uncertain, but obviously the world's going to be a little different. Yeah, I, I, um, well, gosh, as you know, and our listeners know, you know, back, we did a, we did a podcast back in, um, when we started learning about this virus, um, which is now about three months ago, by the time this podcast plays. And even then, you know, Tim, you're, you're, we're friends. You know that I have uh, been a, I've been trying to advocate on behalf of kids that we don't do some of the things that we have done <laughs> in the face of this virus, and um, uh, that we do those things in hot spots where viruses are very strong, but that we don't shut down, you know, 7.5 billion people. Um, especially in areas where the, the death rate is low. And um, so where we need to we need to advocate, I believe, for our leaders to see the difference between a hot spot and the, and the rest of the world. And if and advocate for a leader if they 
see that they're in a hot spot or a certain county is a hot spot. Okay, if they say, look, we got to not have school in this area for this period of time because, you know, look at our death rate from this. Okay, you know, fair enough, because the science of hot spots is different than the science of the rest of the world. And uh, but in the rest of the world, I think we really need to advocate and get our leaders to look deeper into the science. And so this takes us into an area where I'm just going to say to folks to get more on this. I've written a very long article um, and it's on GureanInstitute.com and it's it's called Should uh, Should Schools Lock Down Again um, uh, Because of COVID? So it asks that question and I answer the question no. And I give an incredible amount of science. So I've, I've taken science from all different places, not not just the science we're seeing on TV. And one of the one of the things I'm calling on parents, especially to be right now, are citizen scientists. And as you know, I've, I've talked about this for decades in terms of gender science. And I believe the same concept applies in the face of a virus and a crisis like this. We have to be citizen scientists. That means uh, so that we can advocate. And that means we need to really look at comprehensive science. We have to take into account not just the, the, the very narrow piece of it that we're seeing on TV. And, um, and it's an important piece of it. Doctors Fauci and Burks are giving us a very important piece of the science, uh, which is especially that in hot spots, you know, this virus is a tough one. And we got to protect hospitals and healthcare workers and people in those hotspots. Um, but there's a lot more science out there. And that science um, uh, looks at also the rest of the world and shows that what is true for New York is not true for most other places. And then there's a whole bunch of science around that. And so I think we all have to look at that. And I provided that article on GoreanInstitute.com so you can see it all summarized um, there, and then it can fan you out to watch YouTube clips and other things so that folks can go to their leaders and say, no, it is not correct to be shutting down schools. Um, obviously, it's done for this year. Most of them are shut down. But uh, no, even if we get a surge in the fall, you know, here's the real science of this. And um, I'll give some quick examples here so people see what I mean. There are places like Sweden um, that only partially locked down or did not lock down their schools at all. Uh, they only had kids um, in college go online. Everyone else went to school. Their, their death rates in Sweden, smaller country, but their death rates even in Stockholm were um, middle, middle for Europe, much lower than a lot of other countries that did shut down. Um, uh, Boston is another area that um, shut down very early, very early, and it had um, the shutdown had very little effect on spread and death rates. Um, uh, we also know from the science that nursing homes are a really significant hotspot, right? So we're going to probably have to quarantine nursing homes for many, many more months. But we we do know as well that um, you know schools are not hotspots, and and um, in most places except say New York, you know. So that that's really a quick summary. Uh, but look at that article, folks. Uh, you'll see you'll see a tech company that crunched all the data from all over, and that that uh, crunching all of the data, they saw that uh, that states that locked down and states that did not lock down, not much difference. So um, 
I want us to look at all of that. You know, everyone make their own decision before you advocate, but look at all that. And my target in advocacy right now is, is begging everyone to make sure that schools reopen. Because if they do not reopen, the consequences for our children are really quite severe. I mean, to say nothing of mental health issues, depression, suicide rates will go up. I mean, there's a lot of stuff in that article about what's going to happen to adults if we continue with lockdown. But for kids specifically, and for education, which is our topic today specifically, um, our kids cannot learn as well, and especially that quote-unquote bottom half, the lower half. We're going to be at around 40 to 50% nearer at the poverty line within a month or two. So we're going to enter depression, right? We're in recession now. We're going to enter depression. 40 to 50% under the poverty line. A lot of those kids who are not going to get education, you can't get as good an education the way we're doing it now. A lot of them can't even get it. They don't even have resources to have laptops to do it online. And um, so then we have all these millions of kids who are simply not going to be educated, uh, not taken care of the way we need this next generation to be taken care of. So that's my big advocacy. Get the data behind you as a citizen scientist and then write everybody, write your governors, your State Department of Commerce, you know, State Department of Ed, whoever, write them all and call them all and say, no, and unless we're a hotspot where we're having these thousands of deaths, you, you can't shut our schools down. Do you think that um, the way that we teach will change or shift at all now that kids have spent so many hours online learning? Or do you think that because we're so zoomed out, it'll be really refreshing to go back to uh, the classroom and uh, to learn visually again with, with teachers in the room? Well, I think for 16 and older, the age group of 16 and older, I mean, I think um, you can say, hey, you could do a lot more online. You know, I mean, especially with state uh, budget cuts are going to be cut, right? Because we're into recession and depression. We're not going to have the revenue, the tax revenues. So education budgets, unfortunately, will be cut. I beg people to make sure they're not, but they may well be. And so, you know, then there's a trickle down and then, you know, there's going to be less resources. There are going to be teachers furloughed, unfortunately, hopefully quickly rehired. But but if all of these things happen, you know, everyone is going to have to cut back and more will have to go online. And for for kids who are 16 and older, you know, I would be less worried about that. I would say, hey, you know, that's that's doable. There are certain things, project-driven things that you absolutely should be doing hands-on and um, et cetera. But I'm going to use that as the marker because that's a marker I've used before for kids moving into vocational ed who are not going to be college track. I mean, I just think 16, your brain's matured enough. But 16 and under... Um, and especially the younger years, you can't get as good an education online and you have the negative screen effects on the brain and there's a cascade. So um, uh, yes, perhaps for financial reasons, initially um, uh, there's gonna be more online learning for, for uh, let's say pre-K to, to 16, um, but the younger the child is, the less there should be for the health and good education of the child. Uh, I was just told by uh, some preschool folks and administrators I was working with elsewhere in the country that that um, you know their governor is talking about, well, maybe preschool is gonna go online in the fall. Well, that's just an impossibility. You know, you can pretend that your child is at four is being educated online, uh, 
but you're simply not getting that child the natural socialization right. and education. You just you just can't. So when people say it, you just have to say, I think as citizen scientists, we have to push back and say, no, you can't get educated this way for a four-year-old and it's dangerous. Yeah. And I can't, I can't imagine parents would be happy with that. Part of the purpose of preschool is to get the kids uh, a different environment. And, uh, you know, the parents, uh, you know, really crave those chances for their kids to learn in an environment where there's other people, it's tactile, there's movement, um, you know, to have kids at home watching TV learning is, I can't see parents being real happy with that. No, parents know at our, at our gut level, we know that what is natural to the child is best for the child. And uh, learning digitally uh, for older kids, I think, becomes somewhat natural in some ways. But the younger the child, it is unnatural. And we need to go back to what is natural. So uh, just a couple links we want to remind you of. Um, Michael has written this article that you'll want to read. And where is that found, Michael? That's on GurianInstitute.com. It'll pop up as soon as you click GurianInstitute.com. Uh, folks should see it, but if you have to search for it on the site, it's uh, called Should Schools Lock Down Again from COVID? Got it. Okay. And then uh, the Helping Boys Thrive is on helpingboysthrive.org. Yep. It'll pop and, up immediately on helpingboysthrive.org. And then wonderofparenting.com is our catch-all website, and um, we'll try to put some links up on that one too for you so you can catch this wonderofparenting.com. And please go to our Facebook page. Uh, and look up Wonder of Parenting and join that group there. There's some uh, about 600 people on that page, uh, listeners who are uh, connecting with each other and connecting with us, and we'd love to have you be a part of that. Michael, thank you so much for your insights today. Thank you. Thanks, Tink. Thanks, everyone. Hang in there. We will be back with you again next week. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.